Hello and welcome back to another episode of Football Chants and Rants with the Plants with me, Lauren. And me, Graham. And with dad and daughter rounding up all the fixtures across the top five English divisions, as well as having some rants and some raves. It's been a very, very busy week for sport in general. How are you finding it, trying to balance watching rugby, got Aussie Open, you got football. Got a bit of cricket. Yeah, no, it's brilliant. Yeah, a bit of everything. So especially during this lockdown, it's nice to have the sport still going. And um, I'll start off by rounding up the Premier League, which again, over the weekend, was some really, really interesting matches. And the first match I wanted to mention was Leicester versus Liverpool. It was a really entertaining match. Three goals in seven minutes, an astonishing comeback from Leicester meant they won 3-1, obviously against the reigning champions of the Premier League, Liverpool. Rodgers became the first former Liverpool manager to win against them in the Premier League since Roy Hodgson won with West Brom back in April 2012. So that will also be a, a great result for Rodgers in particular, personally for him. Liverpool now have conceded seven goals in their past two Premier League games, three losses now in the Premier League back-to-back, 13 points off City. Do you reckon that's them done? Uh, Yeah, I'd have thought so. Leicester, uh, seven points off City, but they've played an extra game in hand. But I'll be talking about City a little bit more, but it seems like they're running away with it now. What's happened to Liverpool? They've seemed to have just lost it completely. Yes, I think they had a very uh, a formation that worked well. Henderson, middle of midfield, and he's been stuck at centre-back. And obviously Van Dijk's a big miss. Allison seems to be out of form. It's just all the key elements down the spine of the team just don't seem to be working. As obviously someone who's played centre of defence, is it pretty hard? Because I know they've had they've got one signing and um, one person on loan, I think, Quebec played alongside Henderson is it hard for them to come towards you know middle of the season as a low knee as a centre back and develop that relationship quickly well definitely yeah it takes a quite a while to get used to I mean the centre back partnerships are as much as they play three centre backs sometimes these days but uh, mm. I think the you know the relationship between um, the two people it's really important so that's enough really on Liverpool but you've got to praise Leicester Madison Barnes and Vardy all goal scorers all English all playing fantastically well this season, in particular Madison and Barnes. Madison's now got four goals and four assists in his past nine Premier League games. And uh, Barnes himself, he's scored eight goals so far, which is more than any other English midfielder. So um, I think Gareth Southgate was watching that match. What do you reckon, Madison and Barnes, would they be getting in the Premier League? Um, yeah, English England squad? They're getting the squad, whether they play them together, I'm not sure, but they're probably both worthy of the squad. It's good to see Barnes now getting some goals because the last couple of seasons, every match you think he could be able to get a couple and now it seems he's finally becoming prolific in front of goal. So that was my first match from the Premier League and then obviously got to mention Man City versus Tottenham. 3-0 to Man City, 15 games now, one on the bounce, breaking records in Man City. Comfortable win as well, 60% possession but they had 15 shots, 6 on target. Nine goals and nine Premier League games now for Ilkay Gundogan. Where's this transformation come from? Um, I think he's playing him further up the pitch, giving him a bit more freedom, and uh, he's doing brilliant. Oh, fantastic! Like you know, they haven't really got a, they haven't got Aguero, they haven't got a centre forward, but that doesn't seem to matter at all for them. Um, Tottenham one win in their last five matches, uh, kind of not looking fantastic for Mourinho. Any reason as to why you think they're struggling? They're Kane and Son playing today. Uh, I think just City. City just dominated and uh, I think Tottenham on a good day with all the players fit they're a good team but just uh, City just beat them uh, fair and square really. Top four for Tottenham do you reckon? Yeah I think they've got yeah probably. 
And then you've also got Crystal Palace against Burnley. Great win for Burnley, pulling clear of the bottom three now. They're on 26 points, you'd think. Um, they're pretty much safe now. And the Clarets came into the game as the division's lowest scorers. But obviously they got three goals, which you don't often really say alongside Burnley. A comfortable away win for them at Palace. Um, wanted to chat about Palace a little bit. Obviously, no Zaha. Is that the main reason as to why they're struggling, or do you reckon they they're over dependent on him? I think they are over dependent on him. He's uh, yeah, no, he's a very good player, so yeah, they will miss him definitely. And I was listening to some pundits talking about Palace and Roy Hodgson. Are Crystal Palace fans happy with where they are at the moment, which seems to be always kind of towards the bottom of the table? Never really relegation battle, but always sticking as to where they are. And they compared them to Charlton, how Alan Kerbishley resigned after 10 years back in 20, uh, 2005 and they were in the Premier League then. And since Kerbishley left, they've not got back into the Premier League. And they were saying that if Roy Hodgson was to leave Palace, is that potentially going to happen to Palace? Would there be a team that wouldn't be, you know, they're pretty much a Premier League team every season at the moment under Roy. Where do you sit with that? Do you think maybe they should get rid of Roy to try and see if they can bring a bit more excitement to the team itself or stick with him? Uh, I think they'll stick with him probably. I mean, it depends. I think let him gracefully retire whenever he fancies it. But um, I mean, they don't spend much money. They've got a fairly small squad. I think they do pretty good overall, really. And then on Sunday, the main upset for the day was Fulham winning away at Goodison Park 2-0 and a fantastic debut for their January signing, uh, Josh Meyer, who obviously made his uh, full debut with a brace to help boost Fulham's Premier League survivals. And um, you've got to say that it was a very much a deserved win for Fulham. And in terms of the table, they stay third from bottom on 18 points, but just slightly narrowed the gap now on Newcastle, who are on 25 points. And then West Brom earlier in the day, obviously they would have been gutted about Fulham winning away, but they got a really good point against Man U. 1-1 was the final time score, and both teams, actually probably more West Brom in the end, could have sealed all three points with a couple of late-minute counter-attacking goals um, but yeah it wasn't to be and it ended up being 1-1. High scoring match obviously you always expect that with Leeds 4-2 to Arsenal at the Emirates really entertaining game. Aubameyang notably got a hat trick but for the middle person it was a fantastically um, thrilling match to watch and then another really interesting result Southampton against Wolves it turned out 2-1 to Wolves Ing started off with a 25 minute goal but Neves and Neto scored two goals for Wolves to make it 2-1. Really worrying times now for Southampton who have lost six consecutive league matches for the first time in their history. Not long ago they were towards the top of the table but now they've dropped down to 13th and on 29 points which is joint with Crystal Palace and only four points ahead of Newcastle so they're in a really poor run of form at the moment. And Wolves, they're only one point now ahead of uh, Southampton on 30 points. Very much leads Wolves, Southampton, filling those mid-table spots. So that's my roundup from the Premier League. So Championship, a couple of matches in the Championship. First one's... um, Wickham at Huddersfield and they uh, came in and they were 2-0 down after 41 minutes. Uh, Late goal just in injury time, end of the first half, Mehmeti, uh, 48th minute or 45 plus 3. 
So two one for half time and came out and dominated the second half. Ended up winning three two. So a Jakobsen penalty and a Josh Knight goal gave him a three two win. The bottom, of course, ten points adrift, minus twenty eight goal difference. So on paper you'd think they haven't got a Catanel's chance, but Ainsworth and just seems to be giving him a big up. Can they do it? Well, they're going to give it a go. So uh, if they do manage to survive, that'll be uh, a real fantastic effort from Wickham. But I'm not quite sure they will. Huddersfield, seven league matches without a win, 18th, five points clear of the drop zone, but um, Huddersfield, well, who knows, they weren't uh, not that long ago, they were in the Premier League, big stadium, big squad, but it's a poor result for them, certainly losing at home to Wickham, but that'll be interesting over the next few weeks, see how those two get on. Birmingham, Luton, so Luton won 1-0 at Birmingham, Birmingham next to bottom, starting to get lost a bit down there, Karanka, the manager, not very happy, of course, Luton left-back Dan Potts was a 31st-minute winner. Uh, and Luton saying they're going to go for the playoffs, the nine points away from playoffs. They've had some good wins this season. So you wouldn't bet against them, I guess. So Luton having a go. Birmingham at the opposite end of the table, going in the opposite direction. Uh, not won a home game since beating Huddersfield in October last year. Five goals in 11 games. They've got a target a target striker, Scott Hogan. A lone striker, 28-year-old Englishman. They only had one shot on target as a team. Played 20 times for... Birmingham got five goals. He uh, quite prolific at Brentford. He started at Brentford or had a spell at Brentford 2014. Got 21 in 33 games. Had a fair old run at Villa and he only got seven in 56. So if he's a lone striker, they're going to have to get him going a bit. So trouble there for Birmingham. Last one, team not in trouble really. Watford had a brilliant win. 6-0 versus Bristol City, 4-0 at half-time. It's the biggest win since September 1982. Uh-huh. Uh, Seema, Sema got two, and Saar got two and two assists. Bristol City lost the last seven away games in the league. Uh, Watford had seven shots on target and scored six of them. Dean Holden, the Bristol boss, not happy, of course. Well, you wouldn't be, would you? But 41 years old, Holden. Played for 10 teams in his playing career in lower leagues. He was assistant at Oldham, Walsall, assistant at Bristol City for a few years. And took, took over from Lee Johnson in August last year when he was uh, dismissed in July. Uh, his record so far, played 40, uh, won 18, lost 17, a 45% win average. So he's up against it really, Holden, I think, at the moment. But Waterford doing really well. They're fourth, 11 points clear of seventh. So it looks like they're going to be in the playoff places or automatic p- position, you'd have thought. Uh, where Bristol City go near the other where they lost the last five in the league and after that big defeat they minus ten goal difference. Interesting to see Dan Goslin didn't uh, I missed the fact that he'd moved from Bournemouth. Oh right, I didn't know that. He had six years, six and a half years at Bournemouth, moved to Watford uh, on the last day of the transfer window, made his debut coming off the bench yesterday. Good signing, really good player. He had some time at Newcastle, I think. So. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, he'll, he'll be, well, very excited about playing for Watford, 6-0 up and uh, fourth in the table. And the last match of the weekend, of course, Brentford versus Barnsley. Brentford going into the match with that 21 unbeaten record. Uh, and what a surprise, Barnsley beat them 2-0. Chaplin and Morris got the goals for Barnsley. But of course, Brentford, back of a 21-game unbeaten run, they're going to keep going, I'm sure. Only a blip, still second, although Swansea can catch them with the games in hand. Uh, and Barnsley, they're up to 12th now. Seven points off the playoffs, so a fantastic performance. Bit of a bogey team for Brentford. I think last season, the last game of the season, Barnsley beat Brentford to stay up, uh, which kept Brentford in the championship, stopped them going up as well. So uh, 
I don't think they want to play them every week. So well done, Barnsley. Brentford nil, Barnsley two. So that's my uh, roundup of the championship. Right, time for a rant. And uh, this week we are watching, obviously been watching lots of football live and it seems to have dawned on me that a lot of the, well, a lot of players, doesn't have to necessarily be defenders, but obviously mainly forwards and midfielders seem to be appealing for handballs left, right and centre. Like they will literally just smack it at someone from a very short distance and yes, it will hit their hand, but now it just seems that the players just seem to appeal for anything. And just to be clear, it has to be kind of deliberate, but also your hand has to be moving towards the ball for it to be a handball. I suppose what I'm saying is I just find it annoying that the players will literally hit their hand and then just automatically ask for a penalty when actually it's just it's hit their hand from a very short distance. And uh, how much do you think a player's reaction, obviously sometimes you get players appealing, how much do you reckon that influences the referee's decision in that moment? I'm sure it will influence some referees, not all. If they're really good, they won't make a blind bit of difference. But in many cases, I'm sure it will. But it's poor behaviour, really. By them appealing it as well, does that make the referee more likely to then go to VAR? If it's looked, if no one appeals, surely they're not going to go to VAR as much. Uh, Yeah, I'm sure that's the case, yeah. So it's a quick rant, but that's just, um, I think it was Sterling who did it and that that just got my attention in particular for that, my rant of the week. Uh, Mine's really, uh, I know we've had some terrible inclement weather and lots of matches cancelled yesterday, only one game yesterday in uh, League Two. Um, But it's not the famine, matches should be cancelled if it's not safe, I totally agree. Uh, but it's just this, the way in which teams are travelling up and down the country in some cases. Yeah. Uh, Exeter went all the way. I mean, Exeter to Barrow, couple. I mean, that's a seven-hour journey or something. And the referee was on and off, on and off, on and off, and then cancelled it a couple of hours before yeah, the start. Ridiculous, yeah. So I think with modern weather uh, predictions and surely, 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 they're going to know earlier enough to stop the team travelling all the way to Cumbria from Devon and all the way back because they're going to travel all the way back there again in a couple of weeks to replay the match. So mm. must be better ways of doing it than that. Just seems a bit daft and a bit ridiculous. And poor old Exeter and teams like them have had to travel around the country on poor roads and just get there and waste the time. So do it better somehow. It might be a bit of a stupid question, but so obviously the Premier League clubs, they have under-pitch heating, right? Yeah, so they can afford that. The lower league teams, unless they've been in the top, that's the reason Bolton played, I'm sure, because they've got uh, okay. the old stadium with the proper under-soil heating. But, um, got you. Your little clubs can't do that. Yeah. So, But if they know they can't play, cancel it early and stop all the faffing. Thank goodness the fans weren't travelling up and down the country. up from League One, there weren't too many matches going on, like you just said, there were a couple cancelled for many reasons, um, but a big result, you had Hull City versus MK Dons, mid-table versus top, well, second in the table, and it was a bit of a shocker really, MK Dons, what took was an 80th minute penalty from Fraser to seal the deal, 1-0, um, real big upset, like I said, beating Hull, who was second, 24 shots in the game, so pretty open game overall, but MK Dons overall did have more possession. Hull have now failed to score in the last three league games, only one win in the last five matches. Obviously a big club that you would expect to be trying to automatically go up it back into the championship, but they seem to be struggling at the moment. They're now joined on points with Peterborough in third, who have got two games in hand. Uh, we keep saying about the table, but it's so hard on so many 
teams are all playing at different times at the moment. So, yeah, that's interesting that they've still got two games in hand on them, Peterborough. MK Dons now doing really well, undefeated in their four matches. But overall for Hull, you don't want to get stuck in League One going for the promotion places. You want those automatic slots, right? Definitely. And then we've also got Sunderland versus Doncaster Rovers. Brilliant four win for Sunderland. These are two teams obviously both going for the promotion places at the moment and uh, amazing day for Sunderland and Charlie Wick who scored all four goals. Is there a title for if you score four goals? Obviously you've got like a brace, you've got a hat trick. Oh, quadra something, I haven't Is got it? a clue. Oh, well, they should come up with a name for it. Um, and they move now back into the top six, still four points off Doncaster who have, again, two games in hand. Uh, but back-to-back losses now for Doncaster, so that's an interesting one. Again, Sunderland, like Hull, would hope to try and eventually get back into the championship, but they've been in League One now. Is this their second or third season down there? Sunderland third, I think. Really? Yeah. And then Northampton Town versus Burton Albion, right down at the bottom of the table, 23rd versus 24th. Turned out it was a really good result for Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank and his team, 2-0 for Burton Albion at Northampton. Doing really well at the moment, Burton. Three wins from four games. They still remain bottom of the table, but they're only two points off Northampton, and they've got Swindon, Wigan, Bristol Rovers, all literally on the same amount of points at the moment. So it's proven very interesting at the bottom of the table as it is at the top of the table of League One. Uh, League Two, said before, there's only one match survived, which was Bolton versus Stevenage. Uh, And Bolton came away 1-0 winners. Declan John, his first game in English football, an early winner. He's a Welsh international. His last goal was for Rangers against Kilmarnock in December 2017. Midfielder, apparently. Bolton up to 13th. and now 12 points clear of the drop zone. Probably not in a position to push for playoffs, I wouldn't have thought. But um, thank goodness they're not going to get dragged into a relegation battle. Uh, Stevenage is six points clear still of the drop zone. But Barrow have got three games in hand. So, um, of course, they've got to win some of them. But... National League, three matches survived. A couple of those worth mentioning. Uh, Sutton, two, Borehamwood, nil. Sutton, seven points behind Torquay now. Torquay top, of course, but Sutton have got three games in hand, so that's getting quite interesting up at the top there. The game was switched, actually. It was supposed to be at Borehamwood, but they switched it to Meadow Park, which is Sutton's ground, assuming they've got undersoil heating or there's some reason why Sutton's ground was fit to play. So uh, I think I talked about that as the one to watch the... M25 derby, I think I called yeah. it. So, um, so yeah, Sutton 2-0, which is very good. Boreham Wood, that was their first away defeat since October at Solihull, Solihull Moors. Near the one, Yeovil, down the road from here, West Country. Yeovil 2, Alteringham 0. Yeovil got two second-half goals for Murphy and Dagnall. Alteringham could have done with a win. They're still six, though. Uh, but Yeovil starting to pull away from the drop zone. They're on uh, their 17th now. A good 2-0 win, but again... That National League's got a real variety of games that people have played, so the table doesn't quite make sense. But uh, so those were two of the matches of the three worth talking about. Rave time. So mine's a pretty obvious rave, but so we've got to just celebrate the fact that Man City have now had 15 straight wins. They've broken the English records. I think it was... Preston and Arsenal that were holding the records for the most amount of wins on the bounce. 41 points from a possible 45. And this all's really happened since mid-December where their form obviously has just gone ridiculous. I was looking at Guardiola. He's been at City since 2016. He's got a win percentage of 72.86. That's ridiculous, right? 
That's brilliant, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's so good. And I just think we're so lucky to have someone like him managing uh, the club in, in the Premier League and to be able to watch it within English football and they just play some really exciting stuff. And um, I think at the beginning of the season, they really were out of form, weren't scoring too many, were struggling. And then people actually almost wrote them off. Um, Liverpool looked like the team to watch out and then all of a sudden it just turned on its head and... Um, they now look at them just flying at the top of the league. Um, do you think anyone's going to be able to catch them? Uh, probably not. I fancied United to give them a bit of a run-in, but uh, the way they're playing, it's looking doubtful, really. For me, I think their form seems to have turned a lot since Diaz and Stones. I know it was Laporte and Stones over the weekend, but Stones in particular, coming into the squad, the amount of clean sheets they've now had with him, what's happened? How do you think that John Stones has suddenly turned it all around? How has he uh, changed his playing style almost um i'm not sure it must be something to do with the training pitch or something to do with guardiola's influence or somebody's influenced him but we talked about it a couple of months ago how uh, he seems to have got rid of his daft mistakes and yeah. playing more consistently so so yeah that's my rave about city breaking the older uh, english record uh well mine's a, i mean back to the weather again i was talking about the weather but just uh, i think as much as it's difficult to get the low leagues going uh, it's good to see that the Premier League players, they get a bit of stick, don't they, for being a bit soft on occasions. But when you see yeah. some of the Arctic conditions they've been playing in, managers on the touchline wandering up and down and bobble hats on and the players short-sleeved, somebody coming off the touchline to come on in the 85th minute being sat on the bench for uh, the whole match, yeah, yeah, shivering and freezing. So I think, you know, it's, it's on occasions you think, well, good on you, you know, it's snowing and pelting down and minus four, but you're still giving it a go. So, yeah, just, just the uh, ability for players to step up and get stuck in when it's freezing cold. I feel for the fourth official, and I do feel for the subs as well. The managers seem to keep themselves nice and warmed up. I'm a bit worried that Bielsa, with all this crouching, is going to pull a muscle or something. Is that cold at the moment? He might do, yeah. of the week so I've gone for a player who just comes on as a sub from time to time doesn't always start but he is a Dutch 24 year old mainly midfielder for Crystal Palace I've gone for Jero Riedewald if I can say his name properly joined in 2017 and I mean you can't not miss his Barnet really amazing luscious curly afro for me it beats Fellaini and uh, I'm also going to say it beats David Louise, and it's up there. I think it's very much on par with Chowdhury um, for Barnets for me. So I've gone for, yeah, Raideveld. Very good. Uh, and uh, it's easy for you to say. Yeah. And Barnet of the week for me, I've gone for a bit of an obvious one, but I don't think we've had him before. Gareth Bale, uh, yeah. back in the Premier League for the first time in many years. Uh, I don't know what's going on, not quite. Not quite getting there. He had a couple of good touches when he came on against City. Yeah. Uh, one particularly where he danced around a few players and nearly scored. Uh, but, he, of course, he's still got his top knot. He's very continental. Yeah. Uh, but he's just, just not quite getting there. But would he? I don't know if he'll just produce some good performances towards the end of the season, but it's been a bit of a damp squib so far. Not his hair, the performances. <laughs> damp squib, that's a good word. I feel a bit because... It's a tricky one because they say that with more matches, he can only get better. But at the same time, when I've watched him play, I've got to say he's not really um, been that energetic. Or he doesn't seem to be fully fit, but maybe maybe he is now and maybe he does need the matches. But um, yeah, we'll see how him and Mourinho continue. But the press seem to be loving it, that's for sure. <laughs>
are ones to watch for this week. So I've got one midweek and one next weekend and one of the same team, actually. So my first one to watch in the Premier League, Wednesday, 8.15pm, I've gone for Everton versus Man City. Everton have actually lost their last five Premier League games in a row versus Man City. So basically, they, they can't beat them at the moment. And obviously, no one can in general. So I think that would be really interesting, but probably not quite as interesting as next weekend, Saturday, 5.30pm, the big Merseyside derby. Who are you going to call, Dad? It's Liverpool, not Ghostbusters. It's Liverpool versus Everton. Oh, you got a fancy Everton, but you never know. Liverpool are going to come good again, so... I'd go for a draw. Shame there's no crowd for certain. So, yeah, those are my Premier Leagues to watch. Uh, and in the Championship, I've got a midweek and a weekend, same. So, Bristol City uh, versus Reading. As I said before, Bristol City on a, a really poor run. Uh, lost the last four. Uh, Reading have lost the last two as well. Lost again yesterday. So, um, yeah, both teams, well, Bristol need to sort themselves out, obviously. Uh, and Reading still fifth. So, they're still in a good place. But... Um, Need to start winning a couple, so 5th versus 12th. On Saturday at the weekend, you got Coventry-Brentford. Uh, and, I mean, Brentford, what an incredible run there off. Coventry, uh, only three points off relegation, not one in four. So you start to worry a little bit if you're a Coventry fan. And the last one, Huddersfield. Huddersfield lost, of course, at home to Wickham yesterday, which was a bit of a funny one. Only five points off the drop zone, 18th. Uh, and Swansea third chasing Brentford and um, Norwich fast and hard at the moment so that'll be a good match Huddersfield versus Swansea League One wants to watch midweek you've got Tuesday 7pm Ipswich versus Northampton obviously Ipswich and mid-table one win in five they're a team that I um, tipped actually to go straight up but they're struggling at the moment and then you've also got Northampton who I said you know bottom of the table but three wins in four so you could maybe see Northampton getting a point from that one and then also on Wednesday, 7pm, Doncaster versus Accrington. Doncaster a fifth, Accrington at eighth. So two teams going for those promotion places. League two, you've got a midweek match between Newport and Exeter. Again, two teams looking for automatic promotion or at least playoffs. Newport have lost three of the last four. Bit of a funny run there, fifth. Exeter one point behind Newport there in seventh. So they'd leapfrog Newport if they won. That'll be interesting. Uh, then a weekend, you've got uh, very much a local derby. Barrow versus Morecambe. Barrow now in the bottom two. Got games in hand, but of course, you've got to start winning some of those games in hand. And Morecambe are six, but they've not won in three. So the last time they played was in a friendly, 2008. And then the last competitive match they played, 1998-99, assuming that was in the non-league. So that'll be a really interesting, uh, quite a feisty match, I imagine. And then just same as yourself, mentioning somebody again, so Newport after they've played Exeter at home again, uh, to second place, Forest Green Rovers. So uh, Newport really needs six points from those two matches to uh, make some hay against uh, both local or both rivals rather in the promotion battle. So two big games for Newport this week. Right, that's it for this week. We've had some rants, we've had some raves, we've had some very British chat about uh, the weather, the good and the bad and the ugly. We'll be back with some more football chants and rants with the plants next week. We'll see you then.